Bethany died on the cross throughout history with no special significance in their crucifixion other than the penalty that was meted out to criminals. The cross of Christ was different. In the fullness of time, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into the world, bore his cross up the hill of Calvary, helped by Simon of Cyrene, was shamefully handled and lifted up on the cross as a common criminal, suspended between heaven and earth, a spectacle to God and man. The cross of Christ, brothers and sisters, was the most important, the most significant, central act in all of history. The doctrine of the cross, uh, we many times speak of the, the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's, of course, there's a reason we say it just that way, the person and the work. Both were essential for our salvation, the person and the work. First, it had to be the right person, not just anyone would do. That's an understatement, right? As already mentioned, many criminals died on the cross without significance. Paul says concerning this person, our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ was both divine and human. Uh, originally, he was only divine. Christ is God, 100% God, God the Son. And one wonderful passage in the word of the Lord, along with many uh, similar ones, perhaps, but one I uh, particularly like in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, where God the Father is speaking to Christ, to the Son, it says specifically that way, but to the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The Father declared Christ to be the Son, to be God. So that's just to establish this point of, uh, of his qualifications, the right person, that he is God, he's deity, he's not partially deity, I had the idea as a child growing up, of course, in a pastor's home and trying to figure it out even before I was saved, you know, Christ being human and divine. How, how is that? Was he 50% man, 50% God? He was 100% God and 100% man. Two natures, not mixed or blended, but united in that person, Jesus Christ. Christ originally was only divine. Of course, all of our reference with him is as man and, uh, as God and man as well. Christ in history and in time, he took on a body. He became incarnate and the apostle Paul says he was God manifest in the flesh. It's a watershed doctrine in those first century of the church's history, this was a watershed doctrine. God manifest in the flesh. Many denied it. 
But Christ was not only God, he, as I've said, he was a man. He took on man, and so he had to have both of those uh, conditions, had to meet both of those conditions in order to fulfill our redemption. As a man, he was sinless. Second, uh, second point of that statement, the person and work of Christ for our salvation. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. It says several things. The life is in the blood, and it's the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Of course, as God, he could not die, and so he took on humanity. He, took, he became flesh and was fitted to die as a man. The cross was God's chosen instrument for one, of, for one most excellent sacrifice, one perfect sacrifice for sin. God chose the cross for that to be accomplished on. A sacrifice in all points accept, acceptable to God. The cross was a legal matter, brothers and sisters. It was a judicial matter. God, Christ himself, actually had to go to the cross and die in order to save us. If he hadn't, even though being Christ and being God, he could not save us. Sin had to be atoned for. And this was a, a, a perfect atonement. He had to go to the cross. The sins of the whole world had to be laid on him. And the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that he was made sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It was a shameful thing. Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, divine and yet having taken on himself humanity. He was sinless as a man and yet he was put through what was shameful and horrible in every way. There are not words to describe it. The horror of it all. That whole divine drama of Christ's suffering. He was mocked. He was ridiculed, buffeted, spit on, railed on, and crucified. Gal the Apostle Paul in Galatians says that Christ was, became a curse for us. Paul said in 2 Corinthians he was made sin for us. Christ was made a curse, brothers and sisters. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So our salvation is secure. It it's, wasn't a small thing that Christ did because the requirement was so high. Christ died for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. 
In Isaiah, it says his soul was made an offering for sin. And God saw the travail of his righteous soul and was satisfied. Christ didn't know what sin was. We do. But his righteous soul was travailed. And God saw it and was satisfied. Okay, atonement has been made. The cross of Christ, brothers and sisters, shows God's view of sin. One sin was sufficient to separate men from God forever. Sin is not a light thing. It's not a small thing. Sin is a crime against a holy God. Sin is a violation in an infinite degree of an infinitely righteous God. That's why God has to send lost sinners to hell. He can't just overlook it. Sin is an infinite, is a violation in an infinite degree of an infinitely righteous God. It's not just, oh, it's, that's okay. Sin is not a small thing. Atonement for sin was made on the cross of Calvary. And I'd like to just add this, not in the fires of hell. Some years back, maybe you, we heard that from time to time, not, not here in our church, but in general in the evangelical world, that Christ went to hell and in the fires of hell made atonement. No, he did go to hell, but there are different designations for the meaning of hell with different meanings, certainly not lessening what hell is as we think of it, the fires of hell. Christ did go into the heart of the earth and uh, to accomplish and to announce the accomplishment of his mission for those believing souls who were still held there before his accomplishment of redemption but atonement itself was made on the cross. There was no, he didn't have to atone for it in the fires of hell. So atonement was made on the cross. The apostle Paul said that he desired not to know anything among the Corinthians except save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Spurgeon the great London Baptist preacher, he said that's the highest science of all, the doctrine of Jesus Christ crucified. Next point, briefly, the glory of the cross. Christ gave significance to the cross. The cross of Calvary to every true believer is a precious thing. Not some little device, maybe that we pin around our neck, but the fact of it, the, the reality that Christ 2,000 years ago went to a cross in history and in time and made atonement for man, the central point and central act of, of history. The Apostle Paul said in another place, if they had known who it was, They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The cross is beautiful and dear to every true believer. 
It was a hateful, horrible, fearful instrument of death. But it became a thing of wonder and beauty because the king of glory was crucified. To glory means to boast. The cross is our, is our boast. The only boast we have. The Apostle Paul said, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Next, the demand of the cross. Christ called his disciples and the call of discipleship is for us to take up our cross. Of course, our taking up our cross has nothing to do with atonement for sin or to make us acceptable to God, but because of it, because we are acceptable to God, the marks of the cross of Christ are a characteristic of Christianity, the Christian life, our service to the Lord. What were those essential characteristics of the spirit and life and work of Christ? Well, love, submission and obedience to the will of God, of the Father, death to self, sacrifice. And brothers and sisters, by and large, these are lacking in our present-day Christianity, are they not? But true Christianity should have the marks of the cross. There should be those characteristics that were certainly in the life of those early disciples, were in the life of the Apostle Paul, replicating the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, by testimony and by service of submission to God, of love to God, and of obedience to his will, of submission to his will, of death to self. I'd like to read a couple of passages in this context. Uh, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Verse 21, Matthew 16, 21, a few verses here. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto him, get, uh, said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. 
So this is the call of discipleship. If any man will come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The cross, of course, means death. Death to self, but it's hard to die. Life struggles to survive at all costs. And that's why it has to be a daily thing. The Apostle Paul said, I die daily. But this is what Christ called us, called us to, brothers and sisters, and without exception. Not just some class of Christians, but to every Christian, every believer. Notice the words again, verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, so this is the call of discipleship. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And then another one I would like to read in John chapter 12. John chapter 12. 12 verse 20 we want Christ to be manifest in our lives and this is the way by death and resurrection John chapter 12 verse 20 to 25 and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast the same came therefore to Philip which was of Bethsaida of Galilee and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Here's men of a, another nation, not Israelites, but they were at the feast, and they came to one of Christ's disciples and said, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hours come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. This is true in nature. One seed planted in the ground, of course, dies, and out of that, Many fruit, uh, many seeds, many kernels of grain come. And this is the same in the Christian life uh, for a disciple of Christ. This is the demand of the cross that in order to live unto God, in order to bear fruit, we have to die to self. And the Apostle Peter said that we should follow in his steps. Another uh, example. The Apostle Paul said, though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. And that's the, that's the order in the Christian life. That in dying, we come into the resurrection life of Christ. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection 
In other words, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that's what Paul wanted to know. But previous to resurrection is death. He said, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Finally, brothers and sisters, last point, the enemies of the cross. First, uh, here's a little quote from a book published in 1945. Uh, and he says, uh, the cause of Christ suffers greatly today. This is a book published in 1945 through what has rightly been termed a dissected cross, a decapitated gospel. The title of the book is Born Crucified by Ellie Maxwell. The Apostle Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And there's a catalog, several of them, in fact, several lists in the Bible of Paul's sufferings. Uh, I won't take the time to read them. One is in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, another one in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It gives a long list of his sufferings for Christ's sake, and yet who is more fruitful than the Apostle Paul? as a Christian. But I want to conclude, brothers and sisters, with uh, a passage in Philippians chapter 3, where Paul talks about the enemies of the cross. And it's what we see in our day. And we're all affected by it. We can't help but be affected by this spirit. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 12 and a, a few verses following there. Chat, uh, Philippians chapter 3. He says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark, the goal, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so, as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. There are enemies of the cross. And the Apostle Paul spoke to this church, the church at Philippi, for them to be like-minded according to whatever degree they had attained in Christ, okay, to that point, that should make them like-minded. And whatever otherwise they were minded, however otherwise they were minded, 
Paul said, God shall reveal even this unto you. And he said, follow me. I'm not saying that, but the apostle Paul did. He said, follow me as you have us for an ensample. He says, because many walk, those we, you don't want to imitate, who are enemies of the cross of Christ. I need to stop, brothers and sisters. Uh, I could elaborate more on that point, but at least for us to be aware, there are enemies of the cross. The characteristics of the cross of Christ are the characteristics of Christianity, of the Christian life, of our service to the Lord. All of our Christian life, our service to the Lord has to go through the work of the cross in us for us to truly produce fruit to God, to be fruitful in our service to the Lord. We have to die for that to happen. It's not easy to die, but we are to reckon, first of all, uh, we're to know it, first of all, as a legal matter that we have died. If we're born again and belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, legally we have died. We died in Christ. Christ died for sin. We have died to sin. But have we? Christ died for sin. And legally we have died to sin. That's what we said. When we profess faith in Christ and we're buried in baptism, we we're professing, you know, I, I'm dead. The old man is dead. I'm a new person in Christ. But is it real in our lives, in our experience? Are you an enemy of the cross, friend? We're all called to follow Christ, and we can only follow Christ in dying to self, denying ourselves taking up our cross, and going after our Savior. There's no exceptions to this. The Lord bless his word to us. I'll turn it back to Brother Jeremiah. Amen. Let's stand together tonight. And I want you to think about something as our pianist comes prepared to play. Oftentimes we view.